0: This is Wednesday afternoon and we uh, at three o'clock we tape our messages for Wednesday night and you can watch us live stream and uh, we also tape Sunday morning's messages on Saturday afternoon at three o'clock and you can be watching us on the internet and uh we we just invite everyone we're preaching to an empty auditorium but when i'm teaching the truth i teach just as much passion as i do when i've got a crowd full all we've got is mike running the board and two chris's one back here running this camera one running this camera over here and uh we're teaching on this is part three of predestination, prayer, and the Sabbath. All these words are related to one another. Predestination is about God ordering everything, and God's will is being done. God's will. This is about God's will in everything. His will is being done. And prayer means to bow to that will, bow to the Will of God. It does not mean to ask God for money or health or to make anybody well. Prayer, prosukoma, P R O S E U C H O M A I, is a construction of pros, meaning toward or for, means for. It's our prefix, pre. Uh, excuse me, it's our prefix pro, meaning for. Pre and pro are prefixes pro and pros are prefixes in the Greek. Pros means for or toward and pro is our prefix pre, meaning before. So these are awfully close in spelling, but they one means before and pros means toward well prosukamai is a construction pros means for or toward and uk e u c h e, and that means uh, that means to will or desire it means to will or desire toward someone else's desires so so Prosukamai means to will towards the will of God. That's what it means. And Jesus said, when we pray, we're to pray, Thy will be done. Even Jesus, when he was in the garden, in his last great prayer, he said, Father, if it be thy will let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, thy will be done. You don't pray, God make my grandmother well of her cancer at 85 years old. Well, she's not going to be well at 85. You pray for the will of God, and God give her strength to go through that you don't pray god give me a car give me a house i love you amen be sure and let me make fifty dollars an hour that's not prayer that's wishing now people hate the doctrine of predestination even though it's in the bible the word predestinate is not in the bible predestinate is an english word The New Testament was written in Greek, and the Greek word, English only begun about 1,100 years ago. Uh, The Greek, everybody in the world was speaking a form of the Greek language in the first century. That's because Alexander the Great, around uh, 318 B.C., That's about the year he died. Around 332 was when he started ruling the Greek Empire. And during that time period, just during that 12 to 14 years, he gave us the Greek language. The Greek language, he gave gave us the Glossa, the Glossa, which means foreign language and he gave us the dialectos and they had a different dialect of the common street language the common language was called koine it means common and in every city state that had different dialect of that koine predestinate is the greek it's a street language it's like uh, a dialect like down in the south, they'll say uh, y'all, and then up north they'll say you guys, and over in Virginia they'll say youanses. Well, that was the dialect like they spoke. Every little kid was speaking the Greek language at five years old in the first century. Well, predestinate is the word prohorizo in the Greek. That's it the reason people hate predestination is because of the English word. They think it means God's predestined certain people to go to heaven and they can live the way they want to whether a sinner or not. You can have a crook and you can have a thief and without repentance and they think we believe these crooks and thieves along with billy graham gets to go to heaven i don't even believe billy graham is going to heaven because he preached false doctrine now that word the word is prohorizo it means to predetermine pro before we said a while ago pro was pre or before that God has predetermined certain people for the horizo. Now you say I didn't, I never saw an H in the Greek. There's not. There's a diacritical mark that has an H sound. It's a breathing sound. Horizo. Well, later on, the Latins added an N to it. It means to predetermine for the horizon or for the light. Now I've said this so many times and I introduce predestination with this there's a real simple there's a real simple explanation of predestination when the bible says in Romans 3 10 11 and 12 there's none righteous no not one it's talking about among the greeks among the gentiles and the jews nobody's righteous when they're sinners nobody there's none good and that there is none that seeketh after god if nobody seeks god nobody's going to come to him and let him come into their hearts you can't let god come into your heart you can't give your heart to jesus you can give him your heart after you're born again by his will of his own will begat he us. And we're born, speaking of the new birth, we're born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So God's will is being done. Predestinated is what God has to do. He has to pick a people out birth them in the new birth born again by his will when Jesus told Nicodemus you must be born again that word again is mentioned three times in the new testament anothen anothen means from above Well, if you have to be born from above, you have to be born by the will of God from heaven, by God's will. You don't have any goodness in you to birth yourself. I've written something here. I've written something. Let me read it to you. Could God have made every human with a pure heart that every living being would go to heaven in The garden. Could he have done that? Uh, Since he is God, could he have come? Could he have done that? Will he do that to all believers in heaven? Will he make us when he comes back and we have new bodies? Will he make us where that? We will have perfect bodies and we won't be able to sin in heaven. Will he do that? He said he's going to do that. Why did he do, why didn't he do that from the garden? Well, the answer is because he didn't want to. He had a program and a plan. If our names are written in the book of life from the foundation of the world and jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world according to the book of revelation from the foundation of the world if that's true why was he the lamb slain from the foundation of the world that's going to be for sin that's god that god is going to have to see that it is existing here in the world God created sin man didn't create sin and Satan didn't create sin who was it that put a tree in the garden a tree and said thou shalt not eat of that tree where did the thou shalt not come from from the mouth of God and whose idea was to put a tree and whose idea was it to make a law and say thou shalt not That was God's idea to do that. And who was it that made Adam from the dust of the ground that was corrupt? Dust. And who said to Adam, The day you eat, you will die? He didn't say, If you eat, you will eat, and then you will die. He did the same thing that parents say to children Don't do that. If you do that, the best thing they could say is not if you do that but when you do that I'll whip you because they will do that and that's what he said you'll die when you eat and then let me finish reading this isn't he the one that is going to give us new bodies when he comes in the air the second time has has he not all power in heaven and earth Been given to Jesus in Matthew the 28th chapter. It is God that gives man a new heart. Man doesn't give himself a new heart in that 36th chapter of of Ezekiel, of Isaiah, excuse me. Can man resist the new heart that God gives him? You can't give your heart to Christ because the heart is deceitful above everything and desperately wicked. Who can know it? He doesn't want your filthy heart. He's got to give you a heart transplant, take your heart out and put new understanding in you because that's what the heart was. Does God need our permission to change us? We couldn't give him permission because there's nothing good in him, good in us to will him to give us a new heart. Can we give him permission when there's no good in us and when we can't do anything right? Paul said in Romans seven eighteen, how to perform that which is good I find not in me. Perform is the word katergazomai. Katergazomai. It means to fully accomplish. Paul said, "I don't know how to fully accomplish anything good." And then he tells the Philippians, and from Philippians two twelve, this is a phrase. This is a word the Church of Christ loved to use. It's one of their favorite verses, Philippians two twelve. He says, "Work out your own salvation." You work it out your way, and I'll work it out mine. Only problem is, that word work out is the word, one word in the Greek, katergazomai, K-A-T-E-R-G-A-Z-O-M-A-I. Paul is, and that is an imperative mood in the Greek. In Philippians, imperative mood is a command. But Paul said, I cannot categorize I cannot perform. And then he commands the Philippians to perform, fully accomplish. But he says in, in 2.13, for it is God that worketh in you to willing to do of his good pleasure. If you do perform it, work it out like he said, it will be God that causes you to do it. Now, let me finish reading this. How can a man be willing to believe God when he has nothing in himself with which to pursue God? There's none that seeketh after God. There's nothing good in him. There is none that doeth good, and then the scripture tells us over in Isaiah sixty four, hath not the potter power of the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honour and another to dishonour? He says that over in Romans nine, who kept the Gent- who kept the Gentiles in darkness for four thousand years, who kept them from seeing? From Adam unto Acts 2, or until Jesus. Who kept the Gentiles blind or in darkness or in prison? They were the spirits in prison. Prison, Fulake, P H U L A K E, means the division of day and night or light and darkness. Light and dark. That's what prison means. So who kept them in the dark all that time? God kept their eyes shut. Who blinded the eyes of the Jews when Jesus came into Jerusalem and looked out over Jerusalem and said, If thou hadst known even thou in this thy day the things that belong to thy peace, but now you're blind. I'm blinding you. If God does the blinding and does the opening of the eyes, he's the only one that can make a man see or hear. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made even both of them. People just don't believe the Bible because they think they've got 21st century reasoning. And 21st century reasoning, when it comes to God, it's the wrong kind of reasoning. God says, your thoughts aren't my thoughts and your ways aren't my ways. Can a man's will conceive himself? Can a man cause his own birth a baby that's never been born can you tell them how to be born Billy Graham wrote a book how to be born again well can you tell a man that's dead in his sin he doesn't have ears to hear and he doesn't have eyes to see here's how you can be born and he's not even a being he's not a spiritual being how can he hear he can't The scripture says of his own will beget his. That we were not born of the will of man. It's not by your will that you're birthed a new birth. It's by the will of God in John one thirteen, Jesus said in John 6.39, I came not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. This reminds me of genesis the first chapter i've put this on the board so many times i believe genesis the first chapter is a picture of god's elect do you have to have faith yes you have to have faith do you have to believe god yes but when you don't believe in predestination you're not believing god For whom he did foreknow. He didn't say what he did foreknow. He said whom. That is a pronoun. It's the word hoos. H-O-U-S. There's no H's. There's the diacritical mark. But it's pronounced hoos. And it's masculine gender. Singular. So this is a person that God foreknew, prognosko. Prognosko means to know, or know, gnosko, intimately beforehand. Before the world began, he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy. He didn't choose us just to be in heaven. He chose us to be holy. Hagios. H-A-G-I-O-S. Hagios. Hagios means pure or single. When you make something single, make it one substance, you put it in a fire and you burn out all the impurities. One substance. Well that's the fire that we go through, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. Strange conenzo, X-E-N-I-Z-O, comes from the word cosenos, X-E-N-O-S, which is the word stranger, it means an occasional guest. The fiery trial is not an occasional guest, it's what makes you holy, and makes you pure, and gets rid of self, the outer man. And you don't bring the trial on yourself. That's God working in you to willing to do of His good pleasure when He puts you in the fire. But the fire comes because you are a son of God. And how do we become sons? Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children. That word adoption means it is by God's will we're adopted. The. The kid in the orphanage cannot adopt himself. He can't say, well, I see these strangers coming in here. I'm going to adopt myself to them. They have to pick you out. It has to be their will that they'll bring you out of the orphanage. Adoption. Huliotosia. H-U-I-O-T-H-E-S-I-A. We've been predestinated to be adopted it's a for it's a construction of huias and tithame tithame means to place to place huias H-U-I-O-S. huias is the word sons God places us as His sons in His kingdom, and He puts faith in our hearts, and we believe. Faith and believe are the same basic word. Believe is the verb; and faith is the noun. Pistis and pistiou. P i s t i s is the word believe. P i s t e u o is the word is the word believe. And this is faith. This is the noun. This is the verb. And yes, you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But God has to put it in your heart because you don't have any way to get in. Predestination is the only way to heaven. And when God predestines you, he will put the faith and the belief in you. And you will go through the fire and the trials. And he doesn't do that for everybody. The vessels of wrath that are fitted to destruction, they have no Christ in them whatsoever. You say, well, how can God send them people to hell on purpose? That's his business. I've got a paper here that I wrote. And actually just put a whole bunch of verses together on it. Everything that is happening is the will of God. Everything. And in Ecclesiastes 3.14 I know that whatsoever God doeth it shall be forever. Forever is not our word forever. That word forever, olam. Olam means it always has been, it always will be. Has something along the same meaning as where did God start? Who created God? He's always been here. And his will always will be. And nothing can be added or subtracted from His will. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before Him. God's doing everything. That's why the Scripture says in Acts fifteen eighteen, Known unto God are all His works from the beginning of the world. And that's everything. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship. Poema. P-O-I-E-M-A. That's not the common word for work. The common word is ergon. We get our word energy from that. The word poema comes from poeo. It means something with beauty. We are his Wordmanship. We are His tapestry. We are His mosaic, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained. Pro, it et, pro e t o i m a z o. Proetoiimazo is the word before ordained. It means to fit up in advance. God has, people say, works has nothing to do with salvation. Works has everything to do with salvation. Everything. You're not saved by works, but you're saved by working faith. And faith without works is dead being alone. It's worthless. He's created us in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God hath fitted us up in advance to walk in the good works of God. You cannot just say, I got saved one night, I walked down an aisle and prayed the sinner's prayer, and I'm home free now, I get to go ride my bike and run with the bikers and, and get on drugs and drink and cuss. Because I got saved when I was young. No, you did not some preacher fool you when he told you that you would walk down the aisle. And it, you were home for you're not. If God doesn't change your heart, you have to become a new creation, and you can't do that to yourself. He has to birth you, just like a father and a mother have to get together and conceive a child, and it will be birthed by the will of the father, not by the baby. And then he, these other verses here, talking, he's talking here. He says, I've declared the end from the beginning. God is saying there in Isaiah 46 10, when the end comes, that was all declared from the beginning of the world. From the beginning. And from ancient times, long before the beginning, from Olam. From eternity past everything that's not yet done in your life a car wreck, cancer, losing your house, divorce, well that sounds like you're saying God created sin. He said I create evil and the excuse people give every time they say When Isaiah forty six ten God says I create evil I the Lord do all these things. They say, Well that just means calamity. You ignoramus. Every time the word evil is used in the Old Testament, it is the word Ra. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was Ra. I created evil was Ra. It means calamity. Is it calamity when men hijack an airline and they crash it into a World Trade Center building, murdering all the people on board? I guess it is. God created that too. He gets in the minds of evil men and causes them to do the work that they do. If you can come to that understanding, you will enter into the Sabbath. Sabaton. You'll enter into that. Sabbath does not mean seventh. Sabbath in the Old Testament, Sabbath in the New means rest. You will begin to rest in all the things that God does when you start believing in the sovereign will of God, even when you have a car wreck. I remember one time back in nineteen eighty seven I was believing in predestination. I wasn't living it like I should. I was selling real estate trying to get rich, and I bought a brand new nineteen eighty seven town car beautiful car. It was a Stars and Stripes edition, had blue, had white leather seats with blue piping around the seats and a blue carriage roof. A beautiful car. And I was turning in to, I was in a turn lane, going to turn into a drive, and this guy was headed towards me in his pickup, and I told the lady that I was showing houses, he's not going to stop, but I whipped the wheel to the right. He took the entire side out of that car from front to back he was trying to kill himself found out he had been given like three months to live i'm sure he died after that shortly and he took the whole side of the car i got out of the car and i was very calmly looked at it and said look what the lord did and some lady said are you okay you act like you're i said well god did this Even a car wreck, God does it. Everything you do, God's orchestrating. If you sin, God simply pulls his restraining hand off of you and says, go do this. And he's letting you be off in your sin so he can teach you not to do that when he drops the hammer on you and causes you to go through all these trials and problems and fire. And you end up losing your wife. And you end up going bankrupt. And you end up losing your house. That's all of God too. Let me read some more of these. About the will of God. The Bible says. We've obtained an inheritance. In Ephesians 1.11. Being predestinated. According to the purpose of him. Who works all things. After the counsel of his own will. He works all things. No matter what it is. That's why he tells me and you. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you and your life. He's not saying in every good thing. Everything that happens. Car X. You get a ticket. I've said this so many times. You get a ticket. And you're sitting there for 10 minutes with a police officer. Every step you take, the rest of your life will be different than if you hadn't got that ticket. You'll get home at a different time. You may find the urge to go to the bathroom at that point. Whereas if you'd have drove on into the house, you might have gone in the kitchen fixed yourself a sandwich and then went to the bathroom later. The little things like that are all ordained of God. If you end up I lived in a a house before I was in this one. And sometimes I would go down the street. My house is here on Urban. And there was a T at the end of the street. And there's a street over here called Indian Lake Road. Sometimes I'd go over here. I'd go this way to go down to Gallatin Road. Sometimes I'd go over here and go this way, come up and go like that. And sometimes it would be raining over here and it wouldn't be raining over here. And if I'd have turned that way and had a car wreck and slid off the road in a ditch and some guy had come in a wrecker and pulled me out and I talked to the wrecker driver and he feels convicted about truth and he starts becoming my friend. Not if I hadn't turned left, I would have turned right instead. It's all ordained. And you can say, "Well, that was the will of God." Not at all. Without the left turn, you have to turn right. You have to speed right. You have to not speed right. If you're speeding and the cop stops you, your life's going to be different. Many times I have come to church on Sunday morning, and Mary will say, "That shirt's got a spot on it." If she hadn't seen the spot, I'd have church. Because you saw that, I go back to the bedroom, go to the closet, look at the shirts, pull out another shirt, and we are five to seven minutes later than we would have been. And I come into the building at a different time. I lay my papers out a different way, and I start at a different time, and I say different things. Everything is ordained. You can say, that's just your will. No, it's not. If you do anything with your mind, that's God permitting everything to happen the way it does. He's orchestrating it. I love these verses that say, there are diversities of operations and it is the same God which worketh all in all. Every time the Bible says he's working all in all, it means he's working all things and all people and all thoughts and all actions of everything that's going on. You say that makes us robots. Yeah, it does. You know what it makes God? God. God is in charge of everything, makes him sovereign over everything. Let me read a couple of these, more of these to you. In Isaiah 42 and 9, Isaiah says, Behold, the former things are come to pass. And new things, God says, I declare, before they spring forth, I tell them to you. I tell you what's going to happen. That's prophecy. How can all these things be happening that are prophecy if it's not history rewritten down by God? He's causing everything to happen. God caused Israel to become a nation again, May 14, 1948. He's the one that met with those people at the National Council at Tel Aviv. Of the United Nations and caused this National Council to declare Israel a nation because they had, because six million of them had been killed in World War II, murdered by Adolf Hitler. It was God doing that. He said he was going to bring them back in Ezekiel the thirty-seven chapter. And that was somewhere in the neighborhood of 597, 96 B.C. Before Christ, Ezekiel 37 says, at the end of time, how can this happen without God being sovereign in it? At the end of time, take one stick for Joseph the stick of Ephraim, his Joseph's second born son Ephraim, had the inheritance of all Israel. You can see that in the 48th chapter of Genesis, when he puts his right hand upon Ephraim, said crossing his hands. And he said, Take one stick for Ephraim, the stick of Joseph and take one stick for Judah, and they'll become one in my hand. They became one nation May 14, 1948. In the eyes of the world, I don't know when they became one nation in the eyes of God, but they're no longer two nations. They were northern Israel and Judah. How can that be? How can God say that 2,600 years ago? Because he fixed it that it would be that way. How can you even believe in prophecy and not know that God ordained it all? I can't get a hold of people's thinking. I said this in a tape a while back. I've said it many times. God ordained the murder of Jesus. When you kill an innocent man, and evil men do it out of hatred. And Jesus is innocent. He had no sin. That's murder. And when Peter and John healed that man, that was lame from his mother's womb in Acts 3. And the Pharisees got angry at him and said, you're not supposed to be saying anything in his name. They hated Jesus just 50 days before uh, Pentecost at Passover. They killed Jesus and they hated him. And they told James and John, if you speak in this name anymore, we're going to beat you. So they go back to the other apostles and they begin to pray in the name of Jesus. And they said... Pilate was there that day and Herod was there and the Gentile soldiers were there piercing his side, the Romans and the Jews were there screaming crucify him and they were there for to do they were there that day when they killed Jesus when they murdered him they were there for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel talking to the Lord in prayer Determined before to be done. They said, Lord, you determined before that Jesus would be crucified. That word determined before is one word in the Greek. It is the word prohorizo. God predestinated the murder of Jesus by the hands of evil men. You think he wouldn't preordain everything? the son of sam to go out and kill a bunch of people in new york he sure did what's amazing the son of sam supposed to have been come to belief in prison and now he's got a ministry in prison he says i'm never getting out this is not a this is not a jailhouse conversion he said i'm never coming out i've got 480 years to go He said, this is not a jailhouse conversion. What's really amazing, he went out and killed people. And those people, if they were not believers, they'll go to hell. And him being a believer, he'll go to heaven to be with the Lord. And you say, that don't make sense to me. I'm not going to forgive him. I know that you'll probably go to hell if you have no forgiveness in you. Now, let me give you a couple other things. God says, I make peace and create evil. I create Ra. I, the Lord, do all these things. Isaiah 45 and 7. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. God hath put all things under his feet, speaking of Jesus, and gave him to be head over all things. That means every good and evil thing, every good and evil man. To the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Filleth, plurao, means to complete everything all in all. Ephesians 4 and 6. There's one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. He must have been from the south, right? I guess. And then in Ephesians 5.20, we're to give thanks always for all things unto God. And the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, give him thanks in everything, the bad and the good, because all the bad works together for our good. In Colossians one seventeen, he is before all things and by him all things consist of, All things are held together. Everything in the universe, this earth, your body, your car, your house, your life, everything you can see is made up of atoms. An atom has a nucleus. That's the center of an atom. Hold on. atom. Everything's made up of atoms. One atom connected to another atom makes a molecule. Everything is made up of that. That's what God sees when he sees everything. You got a nucleus. You got neutrons. And they have no charge, no charge. And you got protons. Protons in the middle of an atom have a positive charge we'll make it this way positive or a plus that's just like you have on a battery you have two poles and on the top it'll have a plus and a minus the minus is the negative charge and the plus is the positive charge then they've got these these electrons in an orbit around them and you got several, depending on what kind of an element it is, you got several, several orbits, and the outer orbit is called a valence. V a l e n c e v a l e n c e valence. The valence in every electron has a negative charge, a minus. So that pushes the electron inward, and the proton pushes outward, a positive charge, and that's what holds these things together. When Christ comes back, and everything melts with a fervent heat, all he has to do is take these positive and negative charges off these protons and electrons, and everything will poof, and it'll dissipate. There won't be nothing anymore except those of us who live eternally for him in heaven. And those vessels of wrath that are fitted to destruction will abide in hell. I won't say exist. Exist means to be. And that is is a being that they're not going to be. Now, so by him all things are held together. Colossians 118. He is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. He's going to be the head of everything, the good, the evil, all of it. Colossians 2.10, Ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power, everything. Colossians 3.11, In Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, bond or free. Christ is all in all. He's all things and all people. Daniel 4.35. He doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand. Mecca means to stop or rest his hand in doing what he wants to do nobody can stop god if he wants to save if he wanted everybody he would have given them perfect bodies in the beginning just like he's going to give the church perfect bodies when he comes to take us out why would he do that according to the good pleasure of his will you can't figure out the... Well, I just don't think that's right. That's because your thoughts are not his thoughts. You can't think like he thinks. And I love... I love Isaiah 64, 6 through 8. We are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousness are as filthy rags. We all do fate as a leaf, and our iniquity is like the wind... Have taken us away. In verse 7. That's verse 6. Verse 7 is fantastic. There is none that calleth upon thy name. The Bible says. Nobody who's dead in sin. Calls on God. How shall they call on him. In whom they've not believed. Romans 10.14. 10.13 says. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Shall be saved. But you can't call until you believe. There's none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee, God. Stirreth up is the word U-W-R. It means to wake oneself from the dead. We were dead in trespasses and sin, and he has quickened, Z-O-O-P-O-I-E-O. He has made us alive. Zoo, we go to a zoo to see living animals. The word is actually zoon. It comes from zoo. We get the word zoo from that. It means to make alive. He makes us alive when we're dead. There's none that calls upon his name. That wakes himself from the dead. You can't pray the sinner's prayer and wake yourself from the dead. God has to. I try to say this. And boy, this is hard to get over to people. How can you go to heaven when you're dead in sin? You can't. How can you be saved? You can't. How are you going to get there? God has to pick you out from the foundation of the world that you're one of his. You don't have anything to do with it. Will you call upon him? Yes. That is when God puts faith in your heart. When he puts belief inside of you, you'll call. And then you'll go through the fire because he'll put you, he's the one that it's his will to put you through the fire to refine you. And he will perfect you and make you perfect. Perfect is the word teleos, it means mature. And when Peter said, and a synonym for this word perfect. Be ye therefore perfect. Be ye mature even as your father. It means to be grown up in the truth. It don't mean to be without sin. Because you won't be. If we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves. There's another word. Virtue. Virtue. means It's a rete. It means to be grown up or to be manly, manly or mature. It's simply a, it's simply a, it's a synonym for perfect. It's the word arete. It means to be manly or mature or grown. Besides all this, give all diligence, add to your faith, virtue. First thing on the list. Then add knowledge. It takes years to add knowledge. And then add temperance. And then add godliness. And add patience. And add brotherly kindness. And then add charity. And charity is a god And that's walking in the commandments of God. And add is not an invitation. It's an imperative command. Epi A P I C H O R E G E O. It means to superimpose upon your life. That sounds, doesn't sound like add, does it? Add epi, superimpose, cover your life with koros ago. Ago means to lead koros is a circular dance it means a dance leader it's our word choreography and here's seven steps to your choreography starts with grow up virtue that's not something you do that's something God commands in you and he will do it in you it'll be God that works in you to willing to do of his good pleasure and I like that next verse 8 Isaiah 64. But O Lord, thou art our Father, we are the clay. Can clay tell the potter what to do? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor Jacob and another to dishonor Esau? The lump was the womb of their mother Rebekah. Thou art the potter, we are the clay, and we are all the work of thy hand. When you put a big blob of clay on a potter's wheel, you pump it with your foot and it spins around and round. You put water on your hand and you shape it you make it the the what it's supposed to be, and when it when it gets a flaw in it, you have to pound it back to the just a lump and start over again. And that's what God has to do to us. And can this clay say to the potter, Why hast thou made me thus? Or what is the work of thy hands? We can't say that to God. And then I love this in Daniel. Three times God says this in Daniel 4 17, 25, and 32. And he says it in Daniel 4.17. He says, he puts a word in him one time, but he says it three times, so it, that word that he doesn't put in the other two applies to the other two. That's called precedent. this matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent "...that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men." God is ruling in America. And he puts the man in charge that he wants there. And that man has a title. "...God ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will, and setteth up over it the basest of men." basis is the word shafal it means the most low down men are going to be the president of America and the senators and the representatives and the kings and the dictators the most low down men are in charge and God places them there And he says the same thing again in verse 25: The Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. But he doesn't say, and he places over at the basis of men there. And he says the same thing in verse 32: The Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. But he places the most low-down men at the top of the ladder in politics, in politics. When you're popular in the world, you're an enemy of God. James 4 and 4. You adulterers and adulterers. is not talking about literal adultery. Don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity against God? And whoever will be a friend of the world and get the vote is the enemy of God. If you're real popular, if you're a popular singer, you got big hit records, you're God's enemy. Because you've got a lot of people liking you. I have never heard one of these big superstars. I've never heard uh, any superstar country singer talk about a daily cross, debt to self, self denial, being hated by the world. You can't be a superstar and be hated by the world. If you're. Loved by the world, you're God's enemy. You are hostile to God. You're at enmity against God. Ekthra, you're hostile. If you're wanting Ekthra, you're hostile. Friendship with the world is enmity, it's hostile to God. If everybody votes for you on American Idol, you're hostile to God. If you get famous, As a business person, you're hostile to God because you're not telling them the truth. You don't get on your job and tell people you have to have a daily cross. The word I like more than anything else when I apply it to famous people is reproach. I love that word. I love the meaning of it. Blessed to ye when men shall reproach you, O-N-E-I-D-I-Z-O. That word reproach means infamous. You're only blessed, not when you're famous, when you're infamous. When you're infamous. That's the opposite of famous. When the world hates you. And they'll hate you for telling them Christmas is pagan. It's Roman Catholicism. It's Christ's Mass. It was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America. They're going to hate you for that. They're going to hate you when you tell them Easter is Ishtar. It's mentioned one time in the Bible, and the translators got it wrong in Acts 12. They translated the word Pascha to Easter only one time. And every time you find the word Passover, it is the word Pascha. Boy, evidently, one of the Catholic translators got a hold of that. They wanted to get Ishtar in there. Ishtar, or Ashtaroth, comes from Aster, which is the word star. And the star worshippers, they worship Ashtaroth, which is the tree goddess. A-S-H-T-O-R-E-T-H, Ashtaroth. And they worship the stars. That's what Easter is. She is the goddess of spring. God help us. God does everything he wants to do. Psalms 135, 6 through 12. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, nobody is stopping the hand of God. Satan, Mecca, is is not Mecca. Stopping, arresting God and what he wants to do. If he wanted to save everybody, do you think God is smart enough to know how to put truth in every man's mind if he wanted them. He's got vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and the Bible calls them in Second Peter three twelve, these as natural brute beasts are made to be taken and destroyed. Made Genea or Geneo Comes from the word G E N N E S I S, which is the word Nativity And ganael means born. We get the word gene from that. They were born to go to hell. They were born to be destroyed. That's their only purpose in existing. Why would God do that? Ask him when you get to heaven. His ways are past finding out. We can't instruct the Lord. Who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him and tell him? You can't just send somebody else, just pick them out to go to hell. Yes, he he says, yes, I can. I really believe the Bible when it says that God did all these things. I'm going to try to get Sabbath. Sabbath is when you rest in everything that God's doing, good and evil. When you come to that, I'll be 81 this Saturday. And at 81 years old, I've learned to believe this. I preached this for years without it registering in my heart. It's in my heart now. I know I don't have much longer to live six, seven, maybe 10 years. I don't really want to be 99 years old and not be able to stand up or get around. I will, I could be dead in the next three, four years you say you sound like you're being pitiful I'm not being pitiful I look forward to going to be with the Lord I have a desire to be with Christ which is better than this insane world I'm in I'm giving you verses out of a King James Bible I just don't believe that that's because you don't believe God that's your problem God doesn't think like we think I've said this so many times who made hell? Huh? Why did God make hell? Satan didn't make hell. But the hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. you got to remember, angel is the word angelos, A-G-G-E-L-O-S. It means messenger. It was made for Satan and his messengers, everyone who preaches desire for self or the flesh. That's Satan's messengers. Now, whatever God pleases, what he did in heaven and earth and in all the deep places, he causes vapors. This is Psalms 135. He causes vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightnings for rain. He says, the lightnings belong to me and I instruct them where to strike, strike here. God's doing everything if there's a bug crawling across the parking lot out there. God's got him crawling. I don't believe anything, anything, anything is out of the power of God. nothing. Oh, you think because you can get in your car and go out of here and turn left left that you got free will. But you get on down the road and you run into a car or a car runs and you say, this is the will of God, not without that left turn. God is orchestrating it all. I don't care if we are robots, just think of what it makes God. We are like puppets on God's string. He's just moving us the way he wills. What if I said we are God's toys? He causes vapors to send from the ends of the earth. He makes lightnings for the rain. He makes lightning. He bringeth the wind out of his treasuries. God killed the firstborn of Egypt. He killed all of those babies and some grown men who were firstborn. Every firstborn died that didn't have the blood over the doorpost. Pharaoh's son died. God sent tokens and wonders in the midst of Egypt upon Pharaoh and upon all his servants. He smote great nations and slew mighty kings. He killed Sihon, the king of the Amorites, and Og, the king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan. God killed them. And gave the land for an heritage, inherited unto Israel, his people. He chose Israel out of all the people, not because they were the greatest of nations, because they were smallest. You find that in Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter. And one of my favorite set of verses is in the thirty-seventh, thirty-eighth chapter of Job. It tells you what God does. Thirty-eighth. Thirty-seven said, His lightnings go to the ends of the earth they belong to him he possesses them when they strike it's because he tells them to strike if it's killing somebody or setting a building on fire the bible says he thundereth with his voice of excellency he thundereth marvelously in verse five he sealeth up the hand of every man he stops any hand from moving that moves the beasts go in their dens and remain in their places and out of the south comes the whirlwind and that belongs to god tornadoes are gods cold out of the north when when a we call them northers in texas when a norther hit texas it could be 75 degrees in the morning and 15 degrees that night and it was just like that god said that's me that's mine and cold comes out of the north. By the breath of God, frost is given. The word isn't frost like we call frost. It means ice. When people die in an ice storm or a snowstorm, God said, I killed them. I kill, I make alive, I wound, I heal. It's appointed that a man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. When they die, it's an appointed time. Apokime. K-E-I-M-I. K-E-I means to lay something out like a track. Oppo means to set off that time. It's appointed unto man. Everybody's got an appointment with death and you can't live one second past that or die one second before it. God scatters the bright cloud. He makes the sun come out behind the bright cloud. And it is turned around by his counsels <laughs> that they may do whatsoever he commandeth them upon the face of the world and the earth. He causes it to come, whether by correction. He causes rain to come, whether by correction If he's going to flood somebody out and drown them, he's doing it for their correction or for his land, because it needs rain, or he's being merciful. It's God's purpose when he causes floods to come, or rains to come, or storms to come. Hearken, O Job, consider the wondrous works of God. This is all God's doing. Dost thou know when God disposed them and caused the light of his cloud to shine. The clouds belong to him. They come and they rain and they drive when he wants them to. Dost thou know the balancing of the clouds, the wondrous works of him, which is perfect in knowledge. How thy garments are warm when he quieteth the earth by the south wind. He gets everything quiet and makes you warm up. You're only warm when he wants you to be. You're cold when he wants you to be. Hast thou, hast thou with him spread out the sky? You didn't do that with him. He did that himself. Which is strong and as a molten looking glass. Teach us what we shall say unto him. We don't even know how to pray to God. For we cannot order our speech by reason of darkness in our own hearts. He tells Job, "Have you entered into the treasures of the snow?" And I, in Job thirty-eight, twenty-two and twenty-three, I have done that. Hast thou seen the treasures of hail? I did that too. If it ails or it snows, which I have reserved, I've reserved the snow and the hail for when I want it to fall, <coughs> against the time of trouble, against the day of battle, and war. I love this, Job 38, 35 through 41. Canst thou send lightnings that they may go and say unto thee, Here we are? Lightnings reporting for duty? Where shall we strike? Who do you want us to kill, God? What house do you want us to burn down? The lightnings report to God for duty. Who hath put wisdom in the inward parts? Or who hath given understanding to the heart? If a man understands, that's me. That's what God says. Who can number the clouds in wisdom? Who can stay the bottles of heaven? Who can stop the rain? I think that was an old song, wasn't it? God. When the dust groweth in hardness, and the clods cleave fast together, When I drive the rain, and all you've got is hard clay or hard like some pottery out in a field. My grandfather had a farm out in West Texas, and when they would have a drought, you could kick those clods. You couldn't even break them. They were so hard. That was famine. Wilt I hunt the prey for the lion? I do that. I show the lion's. What animals to to kill. I put them in the exact right place. God even orchestrates animals' movements. It's like a chessboard. We're like his pawns. And feel the appetite of young lions when they couch in their dens and abide in the culvert to lie in wait. When they're lying in wait, I've set the lions up so they'll know where to lie. So when some gazelle comes by, they can jump on it, or some other animal. Who provideth for the raven his food? I do that, God says. The birds eat when I want them to eat. When his young ones cry to God, they wander for lack of meat. And then that takes me over to Matthew 6. Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap. They don't go out there and sow in the field in order to have a crop so they can reap it. Neither gather into barns. They don't have a storage barn. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. He's the one that feeds the birds. Are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature or make food come. Take thought. Merimnao. M-E-R-I-M-N-A-O. It means to be distracted from the things of God by the things of this world. We get the word merimna, which means to worry. m e r i m n a. take thought, be careful for nothing, don't worry about things, maybe that'll take on a new meaning to you when it says be careful for nothing, don't worry about anything, it's all orchestrated in the hands of God, everything that you're going through, I don't care what it is, now you may not believe that, but when you learn to believe that, you'll enter into rest you'll enter into the Sabbath. I may have to get to that next week. Because predestination and prayer, binding to the will of God, God preordaining everything the way He wants, when you come to that realization, your heart starts entering in when something really bad happens. I lost my keys the other day dropped them on the parking lot of Kroger and I got home and I was trying to open the car that they were to and and I didn't have my keys I said I've left them somewhere I lost them and as I was driving I was thinking of these verses I said I gotta drive back to Kroger I'll bet they're at Kroger I walked in walked up to the desk is somebody giving you any keys here they said, could they be these? I said, that's them. But I didn't worry about it. I said, this is your will. It can be real frustrating to lose your keys, but that's the will of God. Give me something to say to you today. Which of you could, by worrying, can it take? You can't worry something into getting what you think ought to be right. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? I've said this so many times. If taking thought can fix your worries, what we're going to do next time we start meeting, we're going to have take the tables and put them over the side and make a great big circle of chairs and say, Okay, now, what we're going to do is Chris number two, we're going to start worrying about his problem of this right here. He wants to get a better job or he wants this or that. Let's count to three and everybody on three. Go worry for Chris. One, two, three, worry. <laughs> I don't think that's gonna help, is it? You can't add one cubist to your stature. You can't I can't become six foot tall. I'm five foot seven and a half, somewhere around there. I used to be five eight and a half. Uh, when i got out of school but you shrink as you get older i'm about five seven now and i can't worry myself into to be taller Why well, i take you thought from raiment consider the lilies of the field how they grow they tall, not and they don't spin their clothing neither do they spin they don't have a spinning wheel and yet i said even solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed as one of these Mary loves to buy flowers. We buy flowers every spring. And she'll say, I just love to go out and look at the flowers in the morning. God can't, ma- man can't make clothing like the flowers. If God will so clothe the grass of the field which today is tomorrow's cast in the oven, shall He not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And then He says, then he says, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, food and clothing, will be added unto you. In Matthew ten twenty-nine, the very hairs of your head are numbered. Here's one, two, three, four. God's got a number. He knows when one falls out. Fear not, therefore, you're more valuable than the sparrows. And it goes on and on. How much time do I have, Mike? Let me start introducing you to this spiritual Sabbath. We're in a spiritual Sabbath. There's a set of scriptures. There is a noun and a verb form or an action of the noun We've been talking about believing that God did all these things. It's belief. When you begin to believe God, how do you get out How do you get away from things that hurt you? you got to learn to be very discreet in what you do. You have to think about it and be and do the right thing. I keep saying, if you want to stay out of a fight, stay away from people who fight. You want to get away, you want to be righteous, stay away from people that are not. You're not, well, Jesus hung around with sinners. He hung around with the sinners that he was going to convert. He knew who his elect were. He hung around harlots and sinners. He knew the harlots that were his elect. So he went to them and told them sin no more. Now there's a word, there's two words that are are equivalent to one another. Sabbath, Sabbath. And Sabbath means rest. And there's the word katapasis. This is the rest of the Sabbath,. Called the Bible says so, and this happens by believing God. Believe when you believe that God is doing everything that He's preordained for it to happen, and you bow to that will, then you can rest in God's Sabbath. That word posis comes from kata, means down, or with intensity, and the word passis. Passis, believe it or not, is our word p a u s e, pause. It's the word pause. It means to settle down. We got two grandsons and when they come over to the house Eric brings them over. Christopher's 13 and Jonathan's 11 or 12. And they'll get rowdy and Mary will say call the posses, settle down. She likes that word. She uses that often. She liable to be with the crowd and she'll say call her that means to rest it comes from the word posses or p-a-u s-i-s which means to cease anytime you find the word cease in the New Testament it means to rest or cease or to cease work a man that Stops his own work; he does the work of God. The Bible says that you have to understand that all the rituals of the Old Testament. When the Bible says, "Remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy," the word "holy" is kodash. Q a d a s h. Kodash means to keep it pure, but you have to remember that all the rituals of the Old Testament were blotted out so all the rituals of the Sabbath are no longer rituals the Bible says in Colossians 2.14 blotting out blotting out the handwriting of ordinances dogma it means the rituals there's two handwritings there's one on tables of stone, that's what's blotted out, and there's one on fleshy tables of the heart. That's over in Deuteronomy nine and several other places. And then in in, in the Second Corinthians three, the third chapter, the law is now written on our hearts. You'll also find that in Hebrews the eighth chapter. God's written it in our hearts. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, written in our hearts and several other places. One of these handwritings has been blotted out, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. That is very significant. Anytime they want to do with one contract, the law comes in two parts. It comes in the spirit and the letter. And the letter the letter killeth spirit gives life that's in the third chapter and several other places of 2nd Corinthians letter kills spirit is the spiritual we're in a spiritual Sabbath now and that's where we rest in Christ it's going to take me quite a while to go through this because I got to go to the Old Testament I'll get as far as I can and I'll come back and review it with you when you realize that God is doing everything, he's preordained everything to happen that is happening. When he says in everything, give thanks, people will say, that means in every good thing. Well, anybody can be thankful for ice cream and cake in a new car. Anybody. The hard thing is to be thankful when something bad happens. So this is the will of God. Thank you, Lord, for giving me this fever. Thank you for giving me this cold, this flu. You've slowed me down to stop me. God has stopped me. I, I was so proud. I wanted to preach every service. My messages, they're not messages like a preacher. They're lessons. Greek lessons, Hebrew lessons, culture, customs, idioms, metaphors, fears of speech. God has given me. I had two heart attacks. I had one in 2002, open Heart surgery, triple bypass. And once you have that surgery, my cardiologist said, if you take these this statin drug, they're miracle drugs. He even said, I believe one day they'll get to a place where heart disease will be a thing of the past. And I take my statin drug every night. And I had a minor heart attack last year, March the 2nd, last year and uh, a little over a year ago and he said you've got to cut back on some of the stress when I teach with all this information while I'm doing this I'm just wound up and I feel it inside and uh, must be adrenaline or something but when I get through this and I walk away in an hour and a half I am collapsing I can't hardly hold my head up and uh so I, uh, he said, I needed to back up on something. I couldn't hardly get through a full day of preaching. It was just, I was. The time I'd preach Wednesday night. I couldn't hardly stand up till Wednesday, and uh, so I quit preaching on Sunday night. Well, I preach on Sunday morning, and I put out more information. One lesson most preachers will put out in thirty years. In fact. Most preachers never put out any information. And uh, so I quit teaching on Sunday night. When we go to meeting again, we meet on Sunday morning at 11, Wednesday night at 7. That's why I'm teaching on Saturday afternoon at 3 and Wednesday afternoon at 3 to play that night because of the coronavirus. Now, so I've learned... Not to worry about anything. I don't mix with people that can get me in trouble. I don't do things that can get me in trouble. Since I've gotten old, I've learned that. The way you stay out of trouble is stay away from trouble. That's the way you stay out of it. Stay away from people that'll get you into it. You can't be in the music business. That's nothing but trouble. You get around cussing and drinking and yeah, but I don't cuss and I don't drink. The Bible says have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather rebuke them. You can't fellowship with people that are, you can call yourself a Christian country singer. There's no such thing. You're putting your approval, if you listen to any of that doctrine and you put your approval on it, you're partaker of it, even if you don't do it. If you stand in the middle of a room and somebody's cussing, you don't say, hey, watch it. I usually say, if somebody says a cuss word, I say, wait a minute, I recognize that word. Let me see. Hell. Yes, that's hell. Yes, I recognize that. Uh, I think there was a rich man in Luke 16. Uh, he died and then hell he lifted up his eyes. That's right. I know that word. Bring me another one of those words when you get through. I've done that to people that go... Look at me, eyes big, going, what? Any word you say that's a cuss word, you can bring it out of the Bible. You can find it in the Bible, all of them, even the F word. I've had a, I had—I told a guy one time in a gym, he said, is S in the Bible? He was trying to get me. He was a big muscular guy. I said, that's a good word. Let me tell you, yes, I believe I remember that. Paul said in Galatians, the third chapter, he said, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. And he said, my father was a Pharisee. I was circumcised the eighth day of Israel. And he said, I had all these accolades and I count them all but dung. That's the word scubalon. That's the word you're looking for. That's a good word. And he went, uh... Uh he didn't know what to say to me. And every time he saw me after that, he'd walk by me and say, Hey Jim, I'd say, Hey Eric, how you doing? I didn't have to say don't cuss. I'm not gonna get far in this. What I'm gonna do is wait. Am I out of time? Five minutes. Five minutes. I'm gonna go into Hebrews the third chapter and show you that this word rest. That's the rest of the Sabbath. And the Bible says, the only reason we don't rest is because of unbelief. You don't believe everything that's going on is of God. If you stress and you take thought for your life, that's a p i s t i s. Remember, pistis is the word faith. The alpha privative against the word, it means no faith. If you have a, get a ticket and that stretches you out, say, I can't pay for that, you know what that's going to do? Teach you not to speed. If you get reckless and you have a car wreck, and that'll be the will of God, that's going to teach you something. It's going to teach you not to drive reckless. If you get around people and they give you a hard time, You're going to learn not to get around those kind of people. That's my whole life now. My family thinks it's terrible because I can't hang around them. I don't have anything against you. You want to live for Christ and live righteous and godly and holy. And you start calling for some hard lines in your life. I'll come around you. My family thinks I have forsaken them and swore off of them. My little brother told one of my family members, Jimmy, he's disinherited me. No, you disinherited yourself. I can't live around a Pentecostal, tongue speaking, charismatic who believes in faith healing and puts his approval on all that, and that's what you are. I'm not going to be around it. Don't believe in it. I'm not the man I used to be. My family, one my older brother said, "I wish Jimmy had come back on and be the way he used to be." Pride's dead now, but I couldn't be the way I used to be. God has changed me through the years. If I went to see my family, I'd have to introduce myself. I'd say, "I'm Jim Brown. I'm not that guy you used to know. I've grown out of that. I've grown out of gospel music. I believe most of it's heathenism." I've grown out of everything I used to do. I wouldn't even record the songs that I once recorded. I won't get up there and put on the dog and make it look like I'm really great. I won't do that anymore. So if I've changed in order for you to be around me, you've got to change. That's the way it works. I'm not mad at nobody. I'm accepting the fact that God has made these people this way, even my family members that don't want to believe these truths. I'm not going to be around people that bother me and upset me. Just not going to. I don't stress now anymore about anything ever. If something happens, I say this is the will of God. Let me see what I can do to rectify it. And if I can, if I can't find my keys, I'll have new keys made. Mary's got a set and I'll have her have a set made. That's what you do. Life has to become, it becomes easier when you believe God. Then you begin to rest. But they couldn't enter into God's rest because of unbelief talking about the people coming out of the wilderness it li- makes life it doesn't make life well, all that makes life is tolerable you can tolerate it when you rest and everything thank god for resting am i just about out my yeah Okay, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for truth. I hope this lesson can teach people to rest. That you're doing it all. We can sit and argue with it and get... When we argue and get frustrated, that means we're not resting. We're not entering into the Sabbath. Thank you for your truth fight our battles we don't want to fight nobody no more no time if there's a battle to be fought vengeance belongs to you you said vengeance is mine i'll do the repaying you don't have to pay anybody back thank you for that help us in everything that we do guide us lead us jury leg family And, Lord, you know what we need to do to cause this ministry to grow. You cause it to grow. Cause it to continue, Lord. You didn't start it to stop it. We've had a lot of enemies that try to stop it. Thank you for everything you do. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I kind of switched paths on y'all. I didn't mean to go exactly this direction.